Father God, we thank you so much that your word is still changing lives. Thousands of years later, God. Lord, how do you do it? We surrender. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you should choose to rapture us out of this place before this study is over, even so, come Lord Jesus, let it be so. We love you, God, and we ask you to open the, the mind of our soul, the very spirit of our heart, to receive all that you have for us. We, we want you to prophesy over us. We want you to speak wisdom to us. We want you to confirm and correct and rebuke. We want you and only you, God, to show us all of the marvelous things in your word. Please, by the power of your spirit, do this for the glory and the advancement of the kingdom of our God. Amen. In the fifth chapter of the book of James, where we left off last week, chapter 16, I'm sorry, verse um, 7, no, 16. Verse 16 of chapter 5 of the book of James says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We talked just a little bit last week about uh, what is um, commonly referred to as, <laughs> my brain will work in a minute. Help me. Accountability. Accountability. It's getting worse. <laughs> in the life of every person, in order to be a good follower, I'm sorry, in order to be a good leader, you must be a good follower, period. The Lord Jesus didn't choose for himself the best. He got the best out of those that he chose. If you are here and you believe that God has called you to be a leader, you will show it, you will develop it, you will become the best leader by being the best follower. The Apostle Paul had a son in the faith. He called him his son in the faith. His name was Timothy. Timothy also wrote a couple of books in the Bible, a couple of letters that we read. But the Apostle Paul, he also had a Silas. He also had other men above him. James, people that he referred to. If you are walking this walk, there will be a time where you have to look at yourself and say, am I getting the most out of this thing? Am I getting the most out of this thing? And if you're not, if you're not filled with peace and joy, if you don't have the power that raised Christ from the dead surging through you, through you, not just in you, but through you, ask yourself this question. What, what am I missing? What have I not done? If you want to be a cowboy, you're going to have to find another church. Because we don't have cowboys in this church. You're going to get offended. People are going to ask you, how you doing? What do you mean, how am I doing? How you doing? We haven't seen you in church. Maybe I went to another church. Well, that's good, too. How are you doing? Offended that church. They get your business in that church. Yes, we do. And we will. Because we care about you. But there will also be a time where you will be alone because of your own devices. If you come to any place, this church or any church, long enough, and you choose not to be friendly, don't be surprised when you don't have friends. If you want to be alone, you can be alone. But to get the most out of this thing, to get the best out of this thing, ladies, Choose for yourselves somebody above you, somebody beneath you. Brothers, choose for you somebody above you and somebody beneath you. I have chosen that same thing. I have three pastors. One is named Raz Vasquez. He's pastor of my, he was the senior pastor. Now he's kind of an associate pastor because he gave the church to his son in Miami. Another one is Jim Corey. He has Calvary Mountainside in North Carolina. 
Another one is Ken Graves. He's in Bangor, Maine. These guys tell me anything they want. Know this about them, though. I don't agree with everything they say and do. Matter of fact, sometimes Ken says stuff to me. It's like, oh, you don't agree, do you? You guys that know Ken Graves, that's how he talks. That's exactly how he talks, actually. Yeah. And I was like, it's, it's not that I don't agree. It's just we have a different experience because you got a big church and I got a little church. Oh, and because I have a big church, that means it won't work for you, huh? You want me to do it, I'll do it. That's all I want you to do. What I say, when I say it, faster next time. <laughs> because I trust him. In preparation for any Bible study, guys, if I read something I don't understand, I immediately go to Chuck Smith's teachings. For this, there's a lot of stuff here I didn't get, I didn't understand. This is, this is Bible scholars have been flipping out over the book of James for 2,000 years, and rightly so. There's a lot of confusing things here. And if you don't understand language, who it was written to, if you don't understand the, uh, the vernacular in which James spoke, the straightforwardness apart from how the Apostle Paul spoke, it will confuse you. I went immediately. James, chapter 5, YouTube, Chuck Smith. I don't know Chuck Smith, never met Chuck Smith, but he's my senior, senior pastor. He is the starter, the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement in Costa Mesa, California in the 60s. And if he says that I believe it, I don't have a I disagree with you moment with these men. I have a obedient moment with these men because I understand that in life there is chain of command. If you are military here, if you are service here, fire, police, anything like you understand, chain of command, chain of command. You don't have to agree, but you have to obey. Now, what if somebody leads you astray? Listen. What if, what if frogs had little wings? They wouldn't bump their butts when they jumped. You know what I mean? Like, you can what if yourself forever. Find somebody and follow them. One of the things that I tell men all the time, I tell, I have this group of pastors that they kind of call me their pastor. Same thing, men above me, men below me. Being a Bible teacher does not make you a pastor. A pastor doesn't sit above. You know why this thing's here and not here? It used to be up here. You know why it's down here? Because I don't want to look down at y'all. The heck am I to sit up high and look down? Even the, even the appearance of that just freaks me out. A pastor walks with people through their stuff. He doesn't just teach them the Bible. Anybody could teach the Bible. My goodness, just read what other men wrote and say the same thing. But to walk this life with people, to go through marriage problems and business problems, financial problems and health problems and drug problems and drinking problems, that's what we do if you're a pastor. Are you understanding me? So, again, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's a really easy statement, but it's really hard to do. If you grew up with parents that were a little tough, if you grew up with a dominant father and you're a brother here, well, I'm a man now. Nobody tells me what to do. You're not alone. I was in the same boat. It was very, very hard for me to, to go to Raz and say, could, um, could I? Could I call you once in a while? Could, could, could you be my pastor? Could, could, could you meet with me and my wife? We're kind of struggling in marriage right now. Can you, can you talk to me about certain things? It ain't easy, ladies, to go to a sister and say, hey, um, could you talk to me about my life? 
my pastor used to say, call it white knuckle sessions. White knuckle sessions, where he used to put his hands on the, on the chair, he used to say, and his knuckles would be white. Tell me what you see. You know what I see? Hey, I told you this story. Uh, it was uh, Chet Lowe who, um, if you guys that didn't hear the story, it's hilarious, I like telling it. Chet Lowe was the first guy who told me I was going to be a pastor. He said, you're going to be a pastor. And I, um, I woefully disagreed with him in a very rude way. And he said, I want to get together with you once a month. Okay. So there used to be a little Italian restaurant named Augustine's over here. My buddy used to own it. I went there, and first time I got together with him, I sat down, and he sits down, he puts the Bible open, and goes, he goes, here. The Bible says here, the Lord Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, I speak what the Father tells me to speak. I was like, all right. He goes, how many things come out of that mouth of yours that's not from the Father? Now, I was a young Christian. I mean, when I say young, eight, nine years old in the Lord. And I thought I had a few things down. I thought I had grasped some things. And I said to him, I'm listening. He goes, I want you to be able to hear the Holy Spirit say, shut up, when he says, shut up. The other day, I heard you in a conversation, and you said, and he's telling me these things, and now I'm just starting to. <laughs> and for the first 15 minutes, all he did was tell me how much I sucked. I finally said, you know what? Dude, I thought we were going to get together and we we're going to, but I ain't here to hear all this, you know, whatever, man. I stood up and he looked at me. And if you don't know Chet Lowe, most of y'all don't, he's what they would call in the world a tad effeminate. Wasn't the most masculine, manly dude in the world, although tough as nails. I mean, missionary in Liberia for many years, but he kind of surfer metro type of guy. Good description? And I said to him, man, I'm out of here. Forget this nonsense. He looked at me and he said, are you going to go out to the car and get your dress? <laughs> right then, I said, oh, I like this guy. All right. All right, now, now we're talking. All right. Okay. Felt like I was in that movie, you know, uh, um, Jerry Maguire. Keep coming. Keep coming now. Show me the money. And he said to me, Ryan, if I say something to you that's wrong, ignore it. If I say something to you that's right, live it. And I was like, man, this whole time, you're just throwing darts at a board at me, trying to see what sticks? Some years later, when God did call me to be a pastor, and it was probably close to eight or nine years after that, my pastor, Pastor Bob, he comes to me and he goes, hey, listen, before you start this church, I got to tell you something. I've been through Chet Lowe. Speak on. <laughs> He said, you really like being right. It's like, yeah, I guess I do. He goes, no, you really like being right to the point where you're wrong when you're right most of the time. And Pastor Bob was that kind of guy. He, he didn't expound when he rebuked. He just kind of dropped the bomb and left and let God sort it out. At least that's how he was with me. And he walked away, and I said, son of a gun, he's right. Man. And I had to go to my wife and say, you know, is this true? And she was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying all this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm exposing my life to you so maybe somebody here can see it and go, man, I'm, I'm just like that dude. You know, man, are you unable to put somebody above you? Are you unable to hear, well, he might be wrong. He don't know me. He don't know my situation. Dude, 
he's willing to talk to you. You know what I mean? Because right about now, nobody else wants to. So somebody's putting their life up on the line. You think it's fun for us? Yeah, yeah, let me sit down and tell you what I see. No. That's what the Bible calls love. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Somebody who's willing to tell you the truth about your life. If they're wrong, who cares? Open up your heart. Open up your life. The only way to get this thing, the only way you're going to get to the best levels of this thing, guys, this thing we call Christianity, is to completely surrender your life and not worry whether you've been righted or wronged. I know another guy who was pretty wronged. And the Bible says he didn't even open up his mouth. He was like, yeah, do whatever. I mean, the craziest illustration I ever heard about Christ, you know, when they crucified somebody, they didn't go, like, like willingly. They literally would tie ropes around your hand and pull your arms out until it was in the right spot and then nail, put the nail right through there. Most of the time, dislocating the guy's shoulders. The Lord Jesus went like this. Crazy. We need to do that. Hey, would you, um, would you tell me what you see about my parenting? Would you, would you tell me what you see about my personality? Would you tell me what you see about my dress, <laughs> ladies? Would you tell me what you see about my church attendance? Would you tell me what I see about... Man, you'll get the best out of this thing. Do you understand when you live the most is when you're dead the most? Like, Christ was put up on a hill to die, and now he's taking us all up on the hill to die. And once we die, then we live. We really live. But you did me wrong. Yeah, I do a lot of people wrong. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm just trying, man. I'm trying. Certainly not perfect. I ain't even close to it, man. I am so far away from perfect. Further than you. <laughs> you say that, Debbie? Oh, how nice. Thank you. But I'm trying to illustrate, maybe, maybe somebody here could see themselves in this little hourglass. I mean, I get to stand up here and y'all get to judge my life, I understand. But maybe y'all life needs to be judged a little bit. Maybe you can surrender a little bit. Maybe you could be a sister here that lets another sister tell you. Maybe you can be a brother here that puts down his guard long enough to say, well, what does he say? Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's the best way to get healed. Now, I know he doesn't mind me using him as an illustration. He probably does, but I don't care. Cole is the best illustration of a life that we've seen changed like so drastically in such a such a short amount of time just to see him put through the grinder, you know, to come in here 
just a ball of nerves and muscle and pain and anguish and hard experiences. And, and we just, we took them and we put them in the meat grinder and started turning to one side of it. And we watched his fighting and he kept trying to jump out of the meat grinder. We just stuck him back in and we thought we're never going to see him again. He'd come back again the next week and we stick him back in the meat grinder. And all of a sudden, I don't want to get married. Get back in the freaking grinder, you. And what a servant of the Most High God he's become in such a short time. What a wife God has brought him. What a, what a joy that if you will give your life to Christ, he will make something wonderful out of it. Man, and we've watched it. And Cole and Nicolina give us this hope that God is still changing lives. Still. I wasn't the last one. Cole and Nicolina, they're not the last ones. Then he kind of switches right in the middle of the verse there. Now, if you're new to Scripture, please understand that when you see a chapter um, delineation and a verse breakdown, that's not, that's not the original Bible. Uh, in the 15th century, somebody put the chapters in, and in the 16th century, somebody put the verses in. Now, that's of the Lord, of course, but that's not original. So sometimes you'll see chapter and verse breakdowns that don't seem to make sense. This is one of them. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, so he's referencing this thing that happened in Elijah's life. Now, if you're new to Scripture, you've heard the name Elijah, but you probably haven't heard the name Elisha. When you read the Bible, you'll see there was an Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was, the, was Elijah's, like his pupil, student. He said to Elijah, before Elijah was taken up to heaven in the chariot, you guys got to read that story. That's crazy. If you've not read the Old Testament, highly suggest it. He said, before you leave, I want a double portion of your spirit. And the crazy thing is, Elisha winds up doing, in Scripture, virtually or literally twice as many miracles as Elijah. So it's kind of really cool that he does that. However, I'm, I'm saying that for you guys on the New Scriptures, you understand there is a difference. We're going to look at Elijah real quick. One of the cool stories of Elijah, the one James references. And here's what you're going to do. I'm going to give you a little advance notice. I don't know what he's talking about. He says that Elijah prayed and it didn't rain, but the Bible doesn't speak about that as much as it just tells this really cool story. Now, what we are forced to do is realize that James had a little inside info. God used him to write the Bible. God didn't all of a sudden, I'm sorry, James didn't all of a sudden wake up and start writing something and go, wow, I think I wrote the Bible. No, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit used men, they almost always knew they were penning something from God. They were given special notification. They were given insight. They were given understanding. They were given the actual words themselves in most cases. Are you with me? With that thought in mind, we will come back here, so maybe keep your pen or something in there. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. That's in the New Testament. All the way at the beginning. Huh? I said new? Thank you. Old Testament. You guys got to correct me when I'm doing stuff. Because you know why? I don't mind. I've been through cello. <laughs> I could tell you some stories that too did to me. Oh, my goodness. Chapter 17, the first, the first verse of the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. Say amen when you're there, please, so I know. Amen. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, 
As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. One of the things that we have to understand that's super important is, listen, when you think about something that you want God to do, that is not the same as praying about something and God leading you to do it. Why is that important? So many people will say, well, God put this, one, this thing on my heart. God put this person on my heart. I think I should do this. God did not, did not tell you to date somebody who's not a Christian. Didn't do that. The Bible specifically says, God did not tell you to go buy a lottery ticket and dedicate 30% to him. That's not the Lord. Now, some of you guys are sitting there going, well, how do you know? Because those things are the antithesis of what the Bible says. We don't gamble. Why don't we gamble? Because they gambled for Christ's clothes when they crucified him. That's going out of the provision of God. Now, what does that mean, Ryan? Are you trying to say if I go to the, if I go to the uh, casino once in a while, I'm not saved? No. I'm saying that when you grow up in the Lord, you'll leave that stuff behind. God did not tell you to have sex before you got married because you're going to get married anyway. The Bible calls that fornication. Now, that's not to say if you're living with your boyfriend or having sex with your boyfriend, God hates your guts or you're, not, or you're going to hell. That is to say, you're not going to get the max out of your relationship unless you keep it holy. Do you understand? If you don't give God the first percentage of your money to do his work, you will forever be worried about money. You know what people don't worry about money? The people that bless God with it first. In, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, Give God the first fruits of all your increase so that your vats will be filled with wine and, your, and your, your fridge will be overflowing with fruit and vegetables, basically. You won't worry about it. But those that don't, those that don't, it's always, I've got to make the next buck, the next deal, the next. Like, whoa, you got plenty of money, relax. Just, why don't you take your ease a little bit, man? Can't. Always worry because you know the blessing of God is not with the rest of it. These things are just are. You cannot tell me God told you not to tithe. That's just not, it's not the case. So here's the point. Elijah heard from the Lord. The prophet of the Lord heard from the Lord. I want you to pray that it doesn't rain. Now, there's really, really, really important stuff going to happen here, but I'm going to read it to you and come back, please. Stay with me. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, ravens bringing somebody bread and meat is really weird. And some of the things God once in a while throws in there like this, like, you believe it? <laughs> I think this goes back to what we looked at a couple weeks ago. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I've just never seen ravens bring bread and meat to somebody. Does that mean it didn't happen? Are you one of those people? You, are you one of those people? Unless I see it, I don't believe it. What the Bible calls a doubting Thomas. So then you must not believe in evolution. You're like me then, right? Well, wait a second. Evolution is a proven fact. No, evolution is ridiculous theory. Ridiculous theory. Absolutely no scientific proof for evolution one bit. And any scientist worth his salt that calls himself a scientist, he either believes in evolution through faith or, or doesn't believe in it through science. But you can't have both. I believe that the ravens brought meat and bread 
because the Bible says so. I ain't never seen no bird deliver meat and bread. I seen a public sky pull up with it. I seen, uh, what, what, what's that delivery thing we do? Instacart, we seen them, I, and that was great. When I had, when we had um, COVID, me and my family had COVID, man, we got deliveries from everybody. They were like ravens dropping off soup and bread, and it's like, man, here's another raven. You guys were great. Bone broth, and here, drink this. This will make you feel better. I'm like, man. Now, I don't know how God used the ravens to do such a thing, but he did that, and I believe that just as much as you might believe in evolution. Only I've seen you know what I mean. Then the word, verse 8, of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink, as she was going to get it. He called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Please understand that prophets dress in a certain way, uh, almost like a wizard in Lord of the Rings. Oh, that guy's a wizard. I didn't know. Oh, I could see the hat and the thing, the staff. You know, a wizard is never late. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you understand what I'm saying. So here comes this prophet of the Lord, and he sees, and this woman sees this woman. Oh, I think that's the widow that the Lord's woman. Excuse me, would you uh, bring me some water and a little bread, too? Now, the woman looks and sees it's a prophet, and now she has to do what she feels the Lord is leading her to. And all these things are going to make sense in a minute. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little jar of oil. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Why are these people starving? Did anybody catch this? Because there's been no rain on the land for over a year. Why? Because Elijah prayed that. Why? Because God told him to. Well, why do... Wait, does, did this woman do something wrong? Not that we know of. Then why is she suffering with the evil? Oh, that's a question I can't answer. Why? Why? Huh? No. We are called to be of the world. I'm sorry, in the world, even if we're not of the world. We walk through our trials in faith that God is going to take care of everything at the end. This is craziness. Why? Guys, look, me and Steve ate lunch together, and, and the one thing we came up with together was that Man, we're like here for this amount of time. It's a test. Everything we go through here. This isn't life. It looks like life. It feels like life. It seems like life. But it ain't life. Life is everything we do after this. This is just like a test. And you're going to suffer with lust, and you're going to suffer with greed, and you're going to suffer with... Name your sin. You're going to suffer with it. You're going to, you're going to struggle with it. You're going to wrestle with it. And why? Because it's a test. But why does God, why do I have to, but I'm supposed to. But this woman, her and her son didn't do nothing wrong. Why did God take my son? Why did God take my wife? Why did God take my, Why? Why did God let me get divorced? Why did God let me go broke? Why did God, why did God let me get cancer?
that he looks to give to somebody, he's looking for somebody prepared for it. He's looking for, let's see, whose life can I really screw up because they could handle it. And this is when all of the weak people, oh, not me, get it away from me, I don't want it, no, no, no. But he only gives it to those that he loves the most. He only gives it to those who are going to use it for his glory. I hate that answer. I hate that answer. I, I, I've gone through this with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. They lost a son very early in life. And they asked themselves, why would God do that every day? Because ministry. That's not a good answer. It's the only answer you get. Well, I need something more than that. The only thing I can give you is what the Bible says. For the suffering of our present age does not compare to the glory that will be revealed in heaven. That's a word. What you think is pain here, once you get to heaven, man. So God says, here, I got this little thing for somebody here. It's going to be horrible in life, but it's going to return dividends and death. It's going to be painful, but I trust you, and you're going to use it. And that's the best answer you're going to get. And that's the best answer you're going to get. As a, you see what Eric's saying? Like what things we think of as a kid, like you know, you drop your ice cream or your or your lollipop on the ground, and you you know you'll cry like, oh, it's the worst thing that could have absolutely ever happened whatsoever. It's the same thing as an adult. You you know the horrible things that happen to you. God is the same thing, dude. You just you just dropped your ice cream. It's all right. When you get to here, that's not gonna that's not gonna mean nothing. Don't worry about it. Now, so with that thought in mind, this woman just says, I'm gonna go and die. Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now here's the test. You ready? You got this trial. God says, Use it for my glory. Go find somebody else that's going through the same thing that you're going through and tell them how God's comforted you with it. Now you can be obedient or disobedient. If you're disobedient, you sit alone home in your misery and pain, and that's all you do, that's all you got. This woman had the choice. Wait a second. I just got through telling you I don't got no food, I don't got no water. I got a little bit. I'm making a little cake for my son. And here, Elijah says, bring it to me. This woman, I, I want you to visualize whatever pain that you've been in. You want me to, I'm at the doctor's office now. My baby inside of me is dead. I have to get this baby aborted now that it's dead inside of me. And you want me to look for somebody else? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God shouldn't have let this happen. He could have not let this happen. I'm giving you real stuff that I've dealt with. And God says, give yourself away. Give everything you have to somebody else. I'm not talking finances here. We're talking emotion. We're talking spirit. Give what you've received away. Don't hold it for yourself. The more you give away, the more you'll receive. It's like love. You notice that crazy thing about love? Love is like the only thing in the world the more you give away, the more you have. The more you hold it to yourself, the less you get. Isn't that crazy about love? Give love away. You'll be flooded with more. Hold it to yourself, you don't get none. So here's what this woman does. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And I put parenthetically, who did according to the word of God. And she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, 
nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. You ever get a check in the mail and like totally didn't expect it? Like, man, I, I'm telling you, I was down to nothing and all of a sudden, and you can name a thousand things that God does like that. When you give of yourself, the Bible says that God is a debtor to no man. When you give from the Lord to others, he will always give you more. You will lack nothing, the Bible says. Now it happened after these things that the son of a woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance, to kill my son? Now, the bin of water, I mean, the, the bowl of water, the bin of oil, flour and oil didn't run dry. Guess what happened, though? The kid has a heat stroke and dies. You know what it says here? There's a lot of living left to do. You receive a deliverance today, there's going to be another trial right around the corner. It never ends. While your heart's beating, you're going to go through crap. That's just it, man. It never stops. Wait a second. You just did this miracle in my life. Another miracle around the bin. What? Yeah, things are going to really suck in December for you. I don't want to hear that. I'm done with that. It's okay, because God's going to show up there too. And how does this happen to us? How does God show up so many times in our life, but every child we're like, oh, I don't know what you're going to do now. Oh, you raised my son to life last time, and you did this, and you did that, but I don't know what you're going to do now. My fridge broke. You guys know what I'm saying? And I just laugh at myself, and I just go, God, I'm so bad. And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, carried him in the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? Now, what do I see there? Every pastor that's ever read this loves this verse and hates it all at the same time. I don't know why God does what he does or how he does it. And sometimes I don't understand it whatsoever. Like I've prayed for people and in my spirit I sense a healing. I sense, I'm telling you, God's going to do something here. And that person dies or, or tragedy or the marriage divorces anyway. Or we get in the office and they settle the problem, but then they break up anyway. It's like, God, I don't, I don't understand, God. And when I talk to God, he sounds a lot like Ken Graves. It's the craziest thing. I don't work the way you want me to. I'm telling you guys, his ways are past finding out. His ways are past finding out. And there's another part of faith here. And just believe, listen, all things work together for your good. To them that are called according to his purpose, to them that love God. And as a pastor who's supposed to know and supposed to think, when I read this, that Elijah said to, Elijah said to God, and you brought me this prayer, and then you killed, you know they're going to blame me for it? Elijah, they, the, 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 the woman's going to blame me. You know how many times as a pastor, as a minister, you'll say that to God? But, but they're going to blame me. Hallelujah. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now, by this I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Reminds me of something that happened in the Lord's day. There was a guy named Thomas who we just referred to. And he says, 
I won't believe it's him, speaking about Jesus rising from the dead, unless I could put my hand in the nail print, unless I could put my hand in the side that the, that the centurion cut open. And Jesus walks literally through the wall and says, hey, Tom, go ahead. Go ahead. And Thomas, like, completely freaks out by this, and he goes, like, paraphrasing, I'm so sorry. He says, my Lord and my God. The proclamation that Christ was God coming out of Thomas's mouth. But you know what the Lord said? He didn't say, that a boy. He kind of shook his head again, parenthetically, maybe a little sanctified imagination. He said, you know what? You believe because you see, but you know who's really blessed? Those who believe and don't see. This lady, now I believe, reminds me of that. Well, you believe now? Well, he, a guy just raised somebody from the dead. You don't believe that? You're the same person that don't believe that the ravens brought food and water, right? You don't believe nothing unless you see it. Time are we at? 11.42. Yeah. Man, guys, read through 18 at home on your own. I wanted to cover it, but we'll cover it another time. I mean, I, I, it's so cool. It's, it's the, called the Battle of Mount Carmel. Please read at home. Go back to uh, chapter 5. I, I want, I, we got to finish up James. We've been going through the fifth chapter of James for like three and a half weeks. <laughs> but here's the funny thing now. Did anybody see a picture of Elijah praying? No. Then why did James say he prayed and it didn't rain? Because he had insight. This is the same exact story that we read about two weeks ago where it was actually, it wasn't, it was a Wednesday night when we did our, our last prayer meeting where the guy brings to the Lord his son. The guy is having epileptic, the kid's having epileptic seizures and he brings him to the apostles and he, and he says, I, can you fix my kid? He throws himself in the water and throws himself in the fire. I can't help him. And then the guy goes to the Lord Jesus and says, I brought the kid to your apostles. He couldn't do anything. And the Lord says, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I be with you? Bring the kid here. Annoyed, angry even, the, the Lord was. And that's not sanctified imagination. He was annoyed. He might have even been pissed. He says, how long has he been like this? From the beginning. Right from his childhood. Now the application here, guys. Man, parents, if you're not a praying parent and you got a rough kid, you better become a praying parent. Because he looked at the kid and he cast out the demon. I don't want to get into all the details of it. I did the other day. He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Elijah didn't have to have a picture of him. Then Elijah bowed down to the ground and lifted up. No. James says, Elijah was a praying man. Every night, every day, he woke up and sought the Lord. Always. He had that power to hear the voice of the Lord because his whole life was about prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. You understand? You got a kid that's jacked up most of the time, we can see that right from the beginning. It goes right back to the earlier thing. You, you think your kid's messed up? Ask somebody else. Hey, man, you see me, I interact with my kids. You see any of my kids? Ever? Ask those folks over there. Hey, could, could I get together with you at some point, just talk about my kids? Sure. Hey, uh, I know my kid's only three years old, but does he behave in here? Your kid's an animal. <laughs> your kid is a freaking beast. What do you think I should do? I don't know. Do you, do you try beating him once in a while? I mean, I... Ryan, that's terrible. You shouldn't say that. I got six kids. Please tell me something about my kid. Because cause they just ain't dropping their pops anymore, bro. When they're 14, 15, they're breaking the cars, getting arrested, having sex, drinking and boozing it up. And if I could have done something different from six, seven, eight, nine, oh, 
You guys seen this? You want to know now. Nice, Woody. Nice, Woody. Woody just looks at an eight-year-old and says, you hear that? Good job, Woody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be, that'd be filed out under missing the point. <laughs> Keep praying, girl. God's going to deliver. Keep praying. Don't stop. Believe. Believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Anita, we're praying with you for them boys. Keep praying. Don't stop. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. Push, push, push. Again, and here's where we finish. Verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, we could spend a whole service on it. I'm only going to spend five minutes. But this whole thing is kind of like one whole service. Some people just seem to be predisposed to learning and teaching error. It's the craziest thing. We see it in the church all the time. Somebody comes to church, they start learning the Bible. Before we've gotten through the book of John, they're already going to give you their, well, here's what I think that believes. Yeah, but that's not what that says. Yeah, but this is the way the Lord showed me. No, he's not. Why does everybody want to come up with something? Listen, this thing's been changing lives for 2,000 years. Stop screwing it up. Believe it as it is. Believe something. Well, I, I believe in predestination. I believe that God knows the end from the beginning. And since people are born, and when they die, some people go to hell, that means some people are predestined for hell. You just put God in a human box that he does not belong in. God says that everybody, everybody he wants to go to heaven, that all, every single person, some people choose not to. That's on them. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, wanders from the truth. If you know somebody who is in the church and they stopped going to church and they got their excuses and they got their reasons and you want to go get him, whew. Brothers and sisters, listen to what I tell you. When I tell you this is like the hardest thing in the church, this is the absolute worst ministry there is because they will hate your guts. They will call you names. They will, you will be on their crap list the rest of your life because you told them something they believed wasn't true. But oh, what a precious ministry this is in the eyes of God. So precious that he says, you know what? If you know somebody that was around, let me paraphrase this. If you know somebody that was around, and you go get them. Like, we have some sisters in the church that do that. People leave the church, they go get them. And I, I, I love the idea and the thought behind it. But, oh, be careful, because eventually they turn that on you. I didn't ask you to come here. And precious sisters, you that are here who know who I'm talking to, who know I'm talking about, I love you. Keep up the good work. But ever be so careful. Because the divisiveness of people will poison your heart, too, if you're not careful. But if you do that, and you turn them around and bring them back to the Lord, he says here, Brother James says, you save a soul from death, and you cover a multitude of sins. Now, I one time heard somebody say, that covering a multitude of sins in, your, in, in that person's life, that's inaccurate from a biblical perspective. You don't cover your own sins when you do that, but you cover their sins. You know, the spectrum, and this is the last thing, I want two more minutes. The spectrum of those that go to heaven in their beliefs is really broad. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there's majors and then there's minors. And if you believe in the majors, you go to heaven. Anybody want to talk about what the majors are? Believing that Christ is the propitiation from your sin. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
but what if I believe in predestination? You just said that was a, a bad doctrine. It is. But I'm not saying you won't go to heaven if you believe that. I'm just saying you'll screw a lot of people up on the way there. And you don't want to do that. Because the Bible talks about how everybody will have to give an accounting for every idle word they gave. Like, you falsely taught people what? And I don't know if it's the Lord Jesus himself who's going to ask you that, or maybe it's Peter or Thomas. Like, yeah, I feel your dog. I was messed up, too. <laughs> yeah. Idle words. My wife often says, I don't want to be in, in back of you on the line to heaven. And I go, what are you talking about? She goes, all the stuff that you say that you're going to have to make accounting for. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Do you know how many people have left the church because I actually had the gall to use the word crap from the pulpit? Yes, I'll, I'll explain it again. The spectrum of those who believe things that go to heaven is broad. I heard a, a guy put it this way. We shouldn't major in the minors. I also heard when it comes to the essentials, we will have unity. When it comes to the non-essentials, we will have liberty. But in all things, we will have charity, which is another word for love. If somebody here believes in what's called... Um, Bohemianism. It's a belief system that also encompasses Christ. This is probably not the church for them because I'm not a Bohemianist. But I'm not going to say that person doesn't go to heaven. You guys know what Seventh-day Adventist is? Some people believe that you cannot worship God on any day but Saturday. If you go to church on Sunday, you're going to hell. They believe that. They really believe that. I don't think they're going to hell because they worship God on Saturday. I really don't care if you go to Saturday night service, Saturday morning service. I don't care. Here's what I care about. Believe that God raised Christ from the dead. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, you could add any kind of scaffolding you want. Well, what about Catholics? <sighs> Same situation. Well, what if they pray to Mary? Look, I don't care if they pray to Mary, Martha, Jonathan. I don't care if they pray to any of the saints. Do they believe that Christ is Lord? Do they confess it with their mouth? Do they believe it in their heart? The Bible says this, and here is an extremely misunderstood verse. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If there is a Muslim, stay with me. Don't let me lose you. And that Muslim really wants to serve God. And in his heart, he says, man, it's just, I love you, God. And I, I call you Allah, because that's what they taught me. But he's not following a religion. He's not following an ideology. He's not following a political system. He wants to believe in God. The Spirit of God will lead him to Jesus Christ. And he will go to heaven. Now, I didn't just say that a Buddhist is going to heaven. I didn't just say that a, a nihilist is going to heaven. I didn't just say that a Hindu is going to heaven. I said that any of those things are really searching for God and not some political system ideology, then God will bring them. Nobody who seeks God will be left behind. Nobody! If you're seeking God. Do you understand that? You understand, did that make sense to you, bro? Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him, and I'm going to add intentionally, or her back, let you know that you turned a sinner from the error of his ways. You saved a soul from death. And you just covered a multitude of sins. Bless your heart for doing that. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Me and my wife were talking right before the service. I don't know if it means that I'm getting old and crusty or I'm tired or maybe it's time to retire. I, I don't But I'm really, I'm really, I'm burnt on people, man. Like try to help people and, and they just, the Lord Jesus said it this way. You know how you know who's a pig and who's a dog in this, in this thing we call the church? Because the dogs and the pigs will turn and tear and trample your pearls. 
So Ken Graves, my pastor, said to me, just like this, Brian, ministry is not difficult. It's barnyard principles. There's dogs, there's pigs, there's sheep, and there's goats. You've got to be a shepherd. And his exact words, throw the pigs and dogs the hell out of your church. Keep the sheep, the rams, they'll grow together, and you'll watch it. But don't be afraid to throw them out. How do you know who's a pig and who's a dog? Because your pearls will be trampled by the pigs. Don't let pigs trample your pearls, Ryan. It does not feel good. You will. He'll be here. He's uh, from Maine. Big, burly guy. Big beard. His voice is booming. And he talks. Sounds just like Thor. <laughs> really does. He sounds just like Thor. This kid, the guy could make a billion dollars doing voiceovers. It's amazing. If you have any questions, I'll be here afterward. Thank you so much, guys, for bearing with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We know that you are king and Lord, and we know that in you we live and we move and we have our being. Would you please take this word, this message that you've given me, and make it bear fruit in our lives. Help us to be willing to talk and to listen, to obey and to do without question. Save lives, save marriages, save souls, God. Comfort the hurting. Fill our hearts with worship. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy to receive all honor and glory and power for you created all things, God. Bless those that received your word today. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Amen, amen.